This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in to the Hoist of Colors podcast. I am your host, Stephen Igo, back with a fresh edition and excited about this episode. We are going to reconnect with the Team Boneyard NIL initiative and get ECU outside linebacker Jeremy Lewis on the podcast here in a couple minutes for a bi-week sit-down. The team is practicing currently Tuesday, Wednesday, fr- or Thursday. The players will have Friday and Saturday off. Then they will return on Sunday for Cincinnati prep. And now the Pirates are getting a head start on Cincinnati, especially from a mental perspective with several of the guys who are older, the veteran, basically all your starters who are going to take limited reps this week. They're doing some work ahead on concepts, what to expect, game planning, initial stuff for Cincinnati. But this is mainly a recovery week for the team. You'll hear Jeremy talk about that quite a bit. We actually talked to him on Monday on the team's off day. We're playing it today on Wednesday for our latest podcast. But a big week of recovery, not too much practice access. We will talk to head coach Mike Houston following Wednesday evening's practice. We'll have coverage from that on Hoist the Colors on our YouTube page and on our social media channels. So make sure to stay tuned for that this evening. But... This podcast will primarily prize of our interview with Jeremy, and also we'll take a look at some final stats from the BYU game. The pro football focus grades are out. want to give you an update on where some guys stand three-quarters of the way through the regular season. Also got some interesting notes on the BYU game, and we'll take a look ahead to the weekend and what games have implications for the Pirates in their potential conference championship run. Heading into the final three games. It's an off weekend, guys. Enjoy it. Talk to your wives. Spend some time doing yard work before it cools down too much for the winter and get some family time in or just enjoy a Saturday on the couch. Drink a few brews. Grill out. I know that's what I'm going to do this Saturday. Forward to no travel. Plenty of downtime, so we will do that. By the way, we're going to have our ECU basketball preview podcast up sometime this weekend. Of course, the season opener 
Tuesday for Michael Schwartz's team against Mercer. We will talk about what to expect, and quite honestly, guys, I don't know what the hell to expect. This is going to be an interesting team. So many unknowns, but a lot of intrigue as well. So we'll get into that, some basketball talk here this weekend. Until then, let's do a football interview. Let's talk to Jeremy Lewis. Here is uh, our conversation with him earlier today. Again, via Team Boneyard. Check it out, teamboneyard.org to donate to the ECU NIL cause. Again, this money goes to the current players. Uh, you know, a lot of guys who are deserving of, of a little bit of help every now and then and also allows, you know, Pirate Nation to support them. And uh, it's, it's, the, it's the reality of college football now, guys. You got to be able to deliver not only with facilities, but with NIL. It's important for ECU to have an NIL presence. They do now with the Team Boneyard Collective. So check that out, teamboneyard.org. You can give monthly. You can give just one time. You can donate to a specific uh, team, specific player. So do that through teamboneyard.org, and they will organize that money. Uh, here's our conversation with Jeremy Lewis from earlier this week. All right, I'm joined now by East Carolina outside linebacker Jeremy Lewis as part of the Team Boneyard Initiative, the NIL set up and uh, collective with uh, East Carolina fans. Check it out, teamboneyard.org. Jeremy, welcome into the Hoist of Colors podcast, man. Uh, I know you guys are coming off a big win at BYU, so how's the uh, how's the vibes right now? Oh, the vibes are great. You know what I'm saying? We get to come off a big win like that into the bye week. And, you know, you don't you don't want to come off a loss into the bye week, man, because that bye week can get real ugly for you. But coming off a win, you know, it, help, it helps in us, like, you know, how to, we know how practice is going to be this week. We still got to have that same intensity and, you know, a lot of effort in practice. But we know coach might look out for us a little bit more coming into the bye week with a win. Nine games in a row before a bye. You know, this is your fourth year at ECU. I don't know if y'all have had a, a late season bye quite like this, but but how, how have you guys been able to manage your body? And can you, uh, can you feel it as each week kind of surpasses? Can you feel those hits kind of take a toll after a while? Oh, yeah, you most definitely can feel it. You know, some guys play – a lot more snaps than others. So, you know, coming in, I don't, yeah, I don't think we had a late bye week either. So, you know, this is, a, this is a new feeling for like, you know, all of us and, you know, those, those hits, they start to toll those running, running the ball, you know, it starts to get a toll on your body, but you know, it's all a mentality with us. You know, you got to just have a, like a good mentality, you know, you can, once you get, once you have that mentality, you can get through it all. So, you know, we, we've been able to sustain, even though it's like late in the season bye week, but this bye week really gonna help us out a lot. Cause you know, everybody has bumps and bruises, you know, playing through the pain, and this is going to be a good week for us to, you know, kind of bounce back a little bit. Looking at the the snap counts for you this season, you're playing almost as much as any ECU defensive player. So, you know, I guess the average fan kind of looks at it and they say, hey, I'm sure these guys, they, they do a treatment, they do things to take care of their body. But kind of take us behind the scenes, Jeremy. Like what goes into the, the training room, uh, whether it be, you know, stuff you do to take care of your body throughout the season, and how much of that – you know, goes into your preparation going into each game. So me personally, my uh my schedule or whatever. Uh, so I wake up, yeah, I got treatment every day. So I'll get treatment eight o'clock in the morning, and then you got to go get like prehab before practice, which is another treatment section, and then post post rehab after practice. So it's like three total sessions, you know. And, you know, I just do do what I got to do to maintain my body because I got some, you know, and like just like every player in the country, I got some bumps and some bruises and I'm trying to, you know, it's a, it's a separation between being injured and being hurt. 
So, you know, guys that are just, you know, you're just hurting, you know, you got to get that treatment and you still got to go out there and produce. So getting treatment can only benefit you, you know what I'm saying? So it's nothing like you don't play around in that area, man. That's it's very important to the game. So, you know, you got to go in and get your treatment and, you know, still produce on the field. And But me personally, I I just get get my three sessions in a day. I just got out and I'm about to go back after, after this. So, you know, that's, that's just me, though. You mentioned, too, like, obviously, Coach Houston, he's going to – to look after the, I think the veteran players during a bye week, and certainly you guys will get your work in to stay sharp and prepare for Cincinnati. But you know how much of this week is about getting even some more time off, and also watching the younger guys get some reps. I know that's part of this week as well. Oh yeah, that's it's it's very important to get some time out. You know, get off your feet, but at the same time, you always got to get better though. And we 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 any day we get to play football, we are gonna go out there and give it a hundred percent. So you know what I mean. It's 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 not like you know you get to take a day off. We're we're blessed to be be able to you know go out there on that field that day and practice and get better and at doing what we love. And it's also going to be very exciting seeing some of those young guys that don't get as many reps, you know, compete and you know showcase their talents because they don't really get to do as much as that, you know, during the season. So it's going to be good. It's going to be it's going to be a fun environment watching those guys compete. Obviously, Jack Powers is working with you at the rush position. I think uh, Eric Doctor as well. And then is Sam Donka, is he, is he still working there too? And how is, uh, how have the young guys come along behind you? Oh, so Jack, Jack's a dog. He's That's my boy. He's very physical. He's been doing anything he can't possible. Like when he gets on the field, uh, the other game, it was like four kickoffs. He had three tackles. So, I mean, that boy, that's my boy. He's a dog. He can, he can do it all. Uh, Eric Dodd has been banged up. You know, he's been battling some injuries. But once he gets back right, like, he played last game. He uh, was able to help the team out on special teams. And a major part in his role, I've seen him knock some heads back. So, you know, that's – Doc is tough. And Sam Baker, he's 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 so physically gifted, like 6'5", 210, freshman. And he's going to be like – like, his I compare him to Chandler Jones because he's big like that. And once – if he gets moving, you know – he making a switch over from like, you know, safety to like the rush position where you more pass rushing, you know, and you still can cover, still use his cover skills that he has, but he's going to be the truth. And I can't wait to, you know, watch him become the player that he can be. We're visiting with Jeremy Lewis, ECU outside linebacker. Jeremy, let's look back at BYU, man. A, a huge win for you guys. Short week, long trip. Uh, y'all were coming off a huge win over UCF and, you know, y'all didn't play perfect, but to me, y'all found a way to win. And that says a lot about the, the culture, what you guys are as a team right now. Just how crucial was it to to find a way to win and then describe the locker room, man? How was that after the game? Oh, so you're right. We didn't play perfect, especially me in particular. Uh, had some bonehead penalties that I've never had before. So, you know, we didn't play perfect at all. And we was able to rely on our offense, you know, to just keep scoring, keep making plays, keep making plays. Like every time BYU took the momentum, we was able to go punch them in the mouth and take it right back. And that's what our offense did. And those guys were playing great. Keen was playing good. Holden was playing real good. And offensive line was moving guys up front. And, you know, just just being able to come in, you know, we Coach Houston had us prepared. We knew what kind of environment we was getting ourselves into. Uh, we knew what kind of team they were, physical, you know. And we was able to, like, you know, come out on top, you know, in the locker room. That's just that's just amazing feeling. Like, you've seen the guys celebrating. You've seen Keaton call Raji on FaceTime. And, you know, you've seen the smile on his face. So, you know, we it's a brotherhood in there. You know, we're family. So it was, a, it was a great environment, you know, seeing these guys, these seniors, you know, come from, like, not even thinking about a bowl game until thinking about a conference championship game. You know what I'm saying? So it's, 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 very, it's a very nice environment in that locker room. 
And obviously, y'all as a team, y'all have had some tough losses at the end this year, especially with the, the kicking game. But to 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 get in that same position again, see Andrew Conrad make the kick. Uh, I know it wasn't the prettiest kick in the world, but t- take us through the sidelines, how much praying was going on, and then when that thing went well, through. You know, we've been in this situation, you know, a lot. So you know, we 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 it's it's mixed emotions when he's when he went out there to take that field to kick that. But you know, I just I couldn't watch. I was I I didn't watch. I had somebody tell me. I listened to the crowd, and you know, it's it's just amazing. Like, I told him congratulations. You know, that's a that's a major accomplishment for him. You know, he go out there and seal it. You know, I think he got like special teams player of the week in the conference, which is big, man. That's just, it's just it's just crazy. It's it's so real feeling. You in front of sixty thousand. And you know everybody dreams to play versus sixty thousand people, but no, you mean he was able to go out there and hush up sixty thousand people. So that was that was that was good. That was big for him. I'm happy for him. Yeah, we talked to Chance Bates after the game, and I asked him like, obviously winning at home, I'm sure is a special feeling. But as a player, like when you win in that environment, kind of everybody is quiet as you guys rush the field uh, in excitement. Like, wh- what is that maybe compared to winning at home? Like, is it is it almost sweeter to a certain degree? Uh, I can say it's the, 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 the good part about it is being able to travel, you know, you know, everybody can, you know, play good at home, but being able to take those talents and put them on a plane and, you know, still be able to, you know, come out on top. Like that's a, it's about a four hour flight all the way across the country. And it's in, you know, the air is thicker, it's colder, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a lot going on when you're in a hostile environment and being able to, you know, still play how play like we playing at home in somebody else's stadium, you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's what's that's the amazing part about it. But for me, being it being sweeter, no, I I'd much rather have been able to knock that like BYU off and Dowdy Fick in front of all our fans. You know, that'd be that'd be so much better. But no, it was definitely good being able to go in there, go in that house and win the game. It was uh quite a, a backdrop with the mountains in the background. I know it's a business trip for you guys and, and y'all treat it that way, but like did you take a moment either after the game or before the game to kind of appreciate like playing in a stadium in the middle of the mountains? It's kind of crazy. Oh yeah, most definitely. You know, we even it was it was hard for the you could you could feel the coaches trying to like prevent us from doing that kind of stuff. But like this is a one in a lifetime experience. Like nobody, like me and CJ were standing, we're talking. It was like, bro, nobody from Greenville ever been to Provo, Utah. Like it was, like we were just talking, you know, because we we're both Greenville kids. So I mean, it was definitely like you know. We had to soak it in like wow, like we're playing in the middle of some mountains right now. But at the same time, it's still strictly business. Like, like we knew, we knew like the people, like it was like the people there were very nice people. And you know, that everybody to be getting off the bus. Uh, thank you for coming. Uh, it's good to see you in my mind. I'm like, don't thank me for coming. We're trying to come in here and beat y'all. Like, don't thank me for coming. But nah, it was, it was, it was a very nice experience, man. It was we I like what I seen, but at the same time, it was strictly business at the end of the day. BYU, they obviously had some success in the running game. Y'all have been excellent against the run all year. And they got some big dudes, man. I went on the field pregame. They're huge, especially at offensive tackle. But, like, when it counted most in the fourth quarter, y'all y'all found a way to rally and make those stops. Is that is that a mentality thing of, hey, we're not going to let them run the ball here on fourth and short and, and third and short, That's that type of stuff? Yeah, I mean, you know, we had some players make some plays. Like I said, Chance Bates came in with a big fourth and two and, you know, just made a stop. Met the running back in the gap, and he didn't get drove back, and that's that's just big. And you know, yeah, you're right. We were we, we are pretty good versus the run, but you know, we played some big dudes, and you know, they were able to get some things rolling, showed us some different looks, 
And, you know, we, we, cause coach Harrell puts us in great position to make plays. Like we study, we study film, you know, we, we, we try to know what's coming before it's coming and we do a great job at that. And sometimes like all season, they didn't run the ball in the pistol versus us. When they got in the pistol, they ran the ball every time. So, I mean, it was, it was, it was things new. They made adjustments and, you know, we was able to make some adjustments, late game adjustments and actually get some stops and, you know, that, but yeah, it was, it was, it was good to see some guys bow up and make some plays. We're visiting with Jeremy Lewis. Jeremy, you mentioned earlier uh, you're a Greenville kid, like C.J. Johnson, like Holton Aylers, like so many others in the program. But let's let's rewind to your recruitment, man. I remember when you were getting recruited by East Carolina and, and Scotty Montgomery's staff for the the 2019 recruiting class. I remember covering your recruitment. Um, I, I want to first talk about your your basketball days, though. Y'all won a state title. Uh, my boy Chris Cherry was your coach. I love Coach Cherry. Uh, take take us back to that, man. Did you ever think you could play uh, basketball at the college level? Oh, I did, honestly. So my uh, my freshman year, I played JV, and I was I was pretty good. I was pretty good. I, I used to score a lot of points, get a lot of rebounds. So and before I had um, so my, well, my freshman year, I played JV basketball, but I played I played varsity football, but. I didn't have any college coaches talking to me for football and I had college coaches talking to me for basketball. So I thought I was, a, I thought I originally was a basketball player. And then it hit me like my sophomore year coach too, which is my dog. That's my guy. He was like, I had, I had missed, I had missed team pictures for a basketball tournament. And he did, he set me, I, I didn't play the first half of the first game. And I was just like, coach, like I, I'm a basketball player. Like I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm a basketball. Player. He sat me down. He told me, "You are not a basketball player. You are a football player." And ever since then, like I just like I took football. I started taking football way more seriously. You know, I locked in, and I was I was able to you know get to the next level. And but our basketball team, you know, we had some great guys. Like you know, Dayron Sharp. He's playing for the Nets, doing his thing. Uh, Shaquem Phillips was able to go to UNCW and you know change that whole program around. And uh, Joseph Baker, he went to the next level, played some basketball, had some great, great team. And, you know, rest his soul, Shaquan, he was a great player, you know, but he ended up going to the next level. And then, you know, he's with God now. But we were, we had a great team. We had some guys come off the bench, even go play college. But we was a great team. And, you know, it was it was fun really being on that team. I always texted, uh, or Chris Cherry would always text me during your early years at ECU, and he'd, he'd be asking me, how's Jeremy doing, how's Jeremy doing? And I said, he's doing good, man, but I think he belongs on the defensive side of the ball. And, yeah. you know, you did you did well at tight end. You obviously played a lot early in your career, which, yeah. is, you know, not a lot of guys do. But I think we all kind of expect you to play defense, and then when you made that move, it's almost been natural. So – Second year playing defense, Jeremy. How much are you loving it, and, and do you still feel at home on that side of the ball? Oh yeah. So when I when I got here, we had a, a lot of good defensive guys in front of me at the defensive end position, and we was real limited at the tight end position. We had like one tight end, and it was really just Anthony Watley here. And when um coach asked me, we we, we recruited Zach Bird, and he came out of JUCO. But before he before he came, he had asked me could I play tight end. I was just like, shoot, if I see the field, I'll do whatever. And like I, I, I wish I didn't, but you know, like it is what it is. I was able to, you know, get some college experience. I was able to, you know, actually find out. Like, no, I don't belong over here because I thought I was pretty good at it, and I didn't know. <laughs> no, but I was able to do that for a little bit. And you know, by the when the time came, 
we end up getting some good tight ends. You got Shane Calhoun came in, Ryan Jones came, Aaron Drummond, those guys came in, and I was just like, you don't need me anymore. Like, I got to go back. I got to start playing defense. You know, I was able to come over, and they had, like, the rush position, and I felt like it just it just fit me perfectly. I I wasn't like – I like originally was like, you know, we had a four down, we had a D, two defensive ends, and I was like – Kendall Futrell is humongous and I wasn't that big. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not I'm not the same size as Kendall. And then I'm like, you got these linebackers here, but I'm a little bit bigger than those guys. So like, I'm in the middle. So then we came up with this 3-4 three, four, three, four, uh, defense with Coach Harrell and he had a rush position and an outside linebacker. And I was like, yo, that's me. Like I can, I can do that. And I was able to come over there, you know, make some plays and it was perfect fit for me. A few more questions with you, Jeremy. We'll let you go. Uh, I remember talking to you after the two-lane game, man, and like I talked to you and Holton and, and y'all were pretty pissed off. Like, I mean, like, I, I just feel like y'all didn't, y'all feel like y'all didn't play to your potential. And, and the season at that point wasn't going how you envisioned it, but I could tell that y'all were, you know, mad and, and also determined to put it in the right direction. And since then y'all have won three games in a row, you know, you got down big against Memphis came back and, and won. And it's really been playing really good football since then. And do you kind of remember the feeling you had after that game and how you guys were able to, to maybe channel that and turn the season around? Oh, yeah, most definitely. We So coming off that Navy loss, we knew it was like any means possible. Like we got to beat every – like we want, if we want if, – if we still have the goals we envision for ourselves before the season, we have to beat everybody. And, you know, we was coming off that Navy game and we really didn't feel like we should have lost that one. And But, shoot, we, we got out we, – we, we didn't make enough plays to come out on top. Coming in Tulane, we didn't play our best game at all. That's probably the – which we played in, in in a while, you know, just just making mistakes, you know, not being ourselves, not being like who we really are, but we, like try to play hard, but we just didn't play how we supposed to play, how we play, like you know, discipline, you know, a sound football team, physical, and and we was able to, you know, take that gut feeling that we had, and like we didn't want that anymore, like the long long ride home, and we just got to sit there and just, you know, we just we just lost. It wasn't it wasn't good practice the next day, like you know, it was a very like sick feeling and, and really coach Houston he took a lot of the blame for it uh he he started you know he locked more in got more like focused with us make sure our preparation was a lot more like you know in tune like on Saturday and Friday because you know we we always try to practice good but you know we still got to stay mentally prepared and ready for the game on Friday and Saturday and ever since then we've been like laser focused even on even, like in the hotel Fridays on walkthrough and we're always going to try to have a good good practices so that's mandatory, but like our focus uh Friday, Saturday before the games has been like on the next level and it's and it showed on the on it's, it shows like it could be we don't want three in a row. So it, it it shows big time. Yeah, and you guys, you know, going to Cincinnati in a few weeks still have a, a shot to play for a conference championship. So a lot to play for when that game comes in a couple weeks. Uh Jeremy, all right, last question. It's your open date. You guys, I assume, will get a few days off this weekend. So uh any any plans uh to do anything fun or you more or less just hang out and oh, watch nah. football? I'm old man. I'm old man. I'm just gonna sit here, you know, watch you know, just hang out, watch some TV, watch some football for sure. Uh, you know, that's just me though. You know, I like to stay in the house. I'm not a big party guy. You know, ECU's a big party school, but you know, I'm not I'm not a big party guy. Jeremy, uh, we appreciate the time, man, on the Hoist of Colors podcast. We, we've we've had a lot of fun getting to know you the last few years and definitely have enjoyed watching you excel on the defensive side of the ball. But appreciate your time today on the, the HGC podcast, man. Yes, sir. Appreciate you.
All right, there he is, Jeremy Lewis, the Greenville native, the former South Central product, again joining us, courtesy of TeamBoneyard.org. Check it out, TeamBoneyard.org, online to donate today. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into some of the matchups to watch this weekend around the American. Also, some other notes coming out of the BYU game. And maybe an early look at the Cincinnati Bearcats. You're listening to the Hoist the Colors podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, welcome back into the Hoist the Colors podcast, as we stated earlier ECU getting a head start on Cincinnati, and the Pirates will certainly have their hands full, according to the Football Power Index, which is a formula-based prediction model on ESPN.com. The Pirates, as of today, and they say this updates daily, but really it updates after each week, after every game. Pirates have a 30% chance, according to their model, to go in and beat Cincinnati, and compared to what that was earlier in the year, when it was probably about 3 or 4%, a much higher percentage, Cincinnati carries a 30-game home winning streak into this weekend's matchup against the Navy midshipmen. So we all know the deal with Cincinnati. They can play defense. Quarterback Ben Bryant was with the program, left, went to Eastern Michigan, excelled there, and then he transferred back after the graduation of Desmond Ritter and beat out Evan Prater, their young quarterback with talent and and Ben Bryant's had a really good year they've got a really solid running game they're not as dynamic offensively without Jerome Ford at running back and without Desmond Ritter at quarterback but still very capable and then defensively they're really good again not as dominant as last year but they're one of the top defenses in the country they're missing obviously those two big time corners Ahmad Gardner who's doing huge things in the NFL already and then on the other side Kobe Bryant multiple year starters but they they got a a guy in Ivan Pace Jr., who's one of the top linebackers in college football, they're really good against the run. That uh, They'll still man up on you. You still have to really beat them in all phases, and it's tough to hit some big plays against them. So that'll be a big challenge. The, regardless of what happens this weekend, I would expect Cincinnati to be around a touchdown favorite, I would think. Maybe a, maybe a touch lower, depending on how things go against Navy this coming weekend, um, going into that game again Friday night on ESPN2, big opportunity for the program. So we'll get more into that matchup in the uh, the coming weeks as we turn the page really to next week once the real game prep starts. Until then, let's take a look around the American. Again, conference standings-wise, ECU technically sitting in fifth place right now behind Tulane, which is 4-0 in the league, behind UCF, which is 3-1 in the league, behind Cincinnati, which is 3-1 in the league, and behind Houston, which is also 3-1 in the league. But ECU just one game behind 
each of those teams for second place. And of course, the second place team will play the first place team in the conference championship at the end of the season. And so the Pirates can kind of sit back this week and maybe hope that one of these teams falls. Tricky game for UCF going on the road to face Memphis, which historically is a very good home team, especially in the month of November. Of course, they've slipped a little bit under Ryan Silverfield over the past couple of years, but still, we know they can put up points. Defensively, they aren't bad. I would expect this to be a pretty high-scoring football game. UCF only a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Memphis off a bye. This is a tricky spot for UCF coming off a big win and with a look-ahead game next week at Tulane. So, wouldn't be shocked at all if Memphis pulls this out. I think it'll be a competitive game. If you're ECU, you'll want to see Memphis win this football game. Obviously, the more UCF wins, uh, the better their chances of completing the final uh, three games or the final four games in their case are uh, without a loss. That would pretty much guarantee them a spot in the championship game at this point. If they went out, they're in by virtue of their their win over Cincinnati and the fact they're going to be ranked ahead of Houston most likely in the college football playoff poll. And since those two teams do not meet, that would give them the tiebreaker. But that's a tricky game, 3.30 ESPN2 on Saturday. So definitely keep an eye on that one. Uh, Cincinnati, of course, will be watching that game against Navy. Cincinnati, a huge favorite, 19.5 points. I would expect the Bearcats to win. You know, we all know Navy's style. Navy comes in at 3-3 three and three in the American. They can they can hang with you, and if you turn the football over, you can make it really interesting. Um, so... Would expect would expect Navy to maybe put up a bit of a fight. I think Cincinnati will be too good at home, but you never know with the option. If they can stay in the game, they can make it interesting. They competed well last year versus an elite Cincinnati team in Annapolis. Um, so I'm sure they'll be ready to go. They're coming off an overtime win over Temple, so they come in with momentum. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know if it really matters too much for ECU who wins this game. You know, to me, you, you kind of want Cincinnati to prevail, maybe get beat up a little bit. Either way, the Pirates are going to have to win out to make the championship, and if they win the Cincinnati game, they're going to have the tiebreaker regardless of what happens in this game. So, um, you know, I, I, I personally would not want to face a Cincinnati team coming off two consecutive losses. Uh, again, 31-game winning streak if they win this weekend at home, setting up next Friday's game. So we'll see what happens in Cincinnati. Other conference action. Uh, Houston goes on the road to SMU. Again, similar situation. SMU with two losses in the American at some point. ECU needs them to lose as well. Otherwise, the Pirates could technically win out, and there could be a four-way tie for second place if UCF loses the game, and then you get all sorts of crazy tiebreaker scenarios. So the best tiebreaker scenario for ECU is to to be tied with uh, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston only in some form or fashion because then you're going to have the the tiebreakers over them, whether it's a round-robin style or head-to-head, because they beat all those teams. Of course, they don't play SMU, so that would be a disadvantage to be mixed up with them in a potential tiebreaker. Tulane goes to Tulsa. Tulane 7-1, and 4-0 in the American. They're up to number 19 in the country. Tulsa, kind of a tricky team, but they're having a down year. 3-5, and 1-3 in the American. This is a big game for them to try to right their season, and that is going to be a 12-noon kickoff on ESPNU in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tulane, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. We'll see what happens there. We'll see if Tulane can keep it rolling. They have not lost since Southern Miss 
in the third week of the season, I believe, or very early on in the season, and that's their only loss. Otherwise, they would be in the mix for, uh, you know, maybe a top 10 spot at this point. So what a season by the Green Wave. But those are your games to keep an eye on in the American. South Florida and Temple also squaring off in Temple. Uh, in Philly, excuse me, for a uh, the right for the first league win for both programs. A couple notes coming out of the BYU game I thought were interesting to share before we wrap this thing up. According to Pro Football Focus, and I think this pretty much goes in line with what we all saw, the BYU performance was the lowest graded performance by ECU in a win in a win this year. 66 on the overall scale, 72.1 on offense, and just a 55.3 on defense. It's the lowest graded defensive performance of the season for ECU. Having watched the games live, I have to agree, just a lot of poor tackling, poor uh, run fits, poor coverage at times against BYU. Really, I don't think ECU played well until the fourth quarter uh, defensively in this football game. They're very fortunate to win it. And, you know, again, we talked about it earlier. That's a sign of a good team. Playing one of your worst games of the year and still finding a way uh, to come out on top. They actually graded out higher in the Navy game as a team, 69.0, and found a way to drop that one. Uh, but 66 is their highest graded performance, or excuse me, their lowest graded performance in a win this year. The only other one that comes close was against Memphis when they went with a 72.1 overall score via pro football focus. They were down to 63.8 at Tulane which, of course, was a tough loss, and then just a 60.9 in the opener against NC State, primarily due to some tackling issues and run defense uh, at times against the NC State Wolfpack. But either way you slice it, 6-3 and three on the year. Something else I thought was interesting is the, the offensive line, from a run-blocking perspective, posted its best performance of the year in terms of run blocking grade per pro football focus with a 65.5. The previous three outings were more in the average territory. The Navy game was a uh, one of the worst games of the year, well below average in terms of run blocking grade. Pass protection was also solid against BYU at 63.1, which is above average. And you combine that together, probably the best performance of the season for ECU's offensive front. Uh, and again, BYU has struggled defensively to stop the run this year, but they did well against a, a pretty big BYU defensive front, didn't allow their pressure to take over the game, and just had a good plan overall against a Cougars defense that for most of the game was playing coverage, kind of similar to what Tulane did to ECU, but ECU had an answer for it this time around. Won the game 27-24, one of the highest-graded special teams games of the year, coming uh, off the heels of a, a solid special teams performance against UCF. Again, kick coverage has been really good for most of the year, and uh, really the only issue has been kicking, you know, punting and kicking, and that was uh, a highlight, of course, with the game-winning kick and also a solid punt from Luke Larson in the ball game as well. Some other interesting notes from Pro Football Focus, nine games in, you've got several guys grading out well above average. Holton Aylers tweeted out earlier in the week, 10th nationally right now in overall offensive grade, among quarterbacks that take the majority of their team snaps. Keaton Mitchell, the second highest graded ECU football player. No surprise there. He's got an elite 90.6 run grade, which is pretty remarkable. Isaiah Winstead, CJ Johnson, 
also grading out well. And Marlon Gunn, the freshman, grading out well through his first seven collegiate games. Your highest-graded offensive lineman to this point is Nashad Strother. He's played 630 snaps, which is the second or third most on the offense behind only Avery Jones and Holton Aylers. So Nashad, again, guy who's been in the program, East North Carolina kid, has had a really solid year at the left guard position. Been really good to see uh, Nashad have, a, have an outstanding season. Defensively, the secondary has been a bright point for this football team. Malik Fleming is your highest-graded defensive player, your highest-graded player in coverage. No surprise there with his experience on the back end. But Apri Washington, one of your highest-graded defensive players as well, he's taken over the starting cornerback position across from Fleming these last three or four games. Jaro Wilson and Gerard Stringer, two of your starting safeties. Stringer, of course, playing more of the Sam linebacker. They're both up there in terms of grade. Jeremy Lewis, who we talked to earlier on the podcast, your highest-graded front seven player on the edge. Um, and then Chance Bates, your highest-graded linebacker at this point, the transfer from Kennesaw State. So a lot of good things happening on the defensive side of the ball, even with some ups and downs. But been good to see Malik and Apri and, and Jaira and, and Gerard Stringer really play well on the defense for ECU. We'll have more on these numbers in the coming days. I'll have a report up on the top uh, highest-graded players through this point in the season. Uh, on, on HTC. Highest graded special teams player, Michael Edwards, the third, the transfer from Georgia Southern, the sophomore linebacker slash Sam linebacker. 80.2 on the special team scale, over 152 snaps, and that ranks first among the entire team. So he's been an elite special teams player, and he's played the most special team snaps. So good to see uh, Michael Edwards doing big things. Devon King, uh, really been doing things as well in a big way, as has Jack Powers. All three of those guys playing a lot of special team snaps and grading out well. So 6-3 and three football team, you've got a good football team in Greenville, folks. I can't urge you enough to show up on November 19th against Houston, regardless of what happens against Cincinnati. There will be a lot to play for. The Pirates win at Cincinnati. The Houston game could be the biggest game in Dowdy Ficken Stadium in Basically a decade. I mean, basically since the last conference championship, when has ECU had the opportunity to play for the right to go to a conference championship? So if they can find a way to win at Cincinnati, that Houston game will be ginormous. Uh, We'll see again what happens at Cincinnati because it's such a good Bearcats team. It's going to take a complete effort, a better effort than how they played against BYU to win that football game. Uh, I definitely know that they're capable. It's just a matter of can they go out and out-execute Cincinnati. I do like the Pirates off a bye. I think they'll be as healthy and as fresh as they've been in some time, but it's going to be a dogfight. So we'll get more into that game in the coming week. We'll talk basketball this weekend, and then we will transition more to the Cincinnati Bearcats early next week in preparation for the Friday night game. All right, that'll do it for the Hoisted Colors podcast. Again, thanks to Jeremy Lewis for taking the time on the open date to join us. always appreciate uh, the guys, and it's always fun to catch up with them, talk more than just, hey, what happened in the previous game, get more of their background, that stuff. So uh, it was great to catch up with Jeremy. We'll continue to have guys on through Team Boneyard in the coming weeks and months, and uh, hopefully dip into other sports as well. You can check that out, teamboneyard.org. But that'll do it for the podcast. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you next time.
TV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.